Today's episode of Your Stories is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad, so enjoy the show! Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey everybody, my name's Eric Arnault, and this is part two of the Nerdwatch Presents Your Stories podcast featuring the theme I Thought I Knew, chosen and co-curated by our special guest for the evening, Chicago storytelling stud, Scott Whitehair. Uh, we had an amazing time recording this show, and there's some incredible talent here, like the aforementioned Scott, as well as storytellers Kevin Clifford and Archie Jamjun, comedian Nate Bechtel, and actress musician extraordinaire Becca Brown. Uh, in addition to Becca, you'll get tunes from myself, Dwight Hasler, and Claire Friedman. What a time to be alive! Uh, we have a ton of Your Story shows coming up in May that we'll let you all know about soon. Of course, you can watch our website, nerdalogs.com, or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash nerdalogs, for more info on those as they become available. Um, but switching gears for a second, as you all probably know, in the past year, the Nerdalogs also made a card game, Fisticuffs. We certainly have talked about it on this show a fair amount. Uh, so the folks over at Gamebox Monthly really like the game, and they'll be including it in boxes sent to their customers soon. Uh, so let me tell you for a second what Gamebox Monthly is. Uh, so everyone loves tabletop and board games, right? Uh, but there are so many awesome games out there, how can anybody possibly find the best ones to bring to the table? Uh, well, Gamebox Monthly can help you out. Uh, Gamebox finds the best games, including the undiscovered gems off the beaten path, like Fisticuffs, and brings them direct to your door every month. Uh, games are new and yours to keep, and with something new always in hand, you'll be the hero of your next game night. Gamebox Monthly is the only service that guarantees you won't get a game you already have and caters your subscription to your preferences. So, probably a lot of you don't have Fisticuffs. Get on that. Uh, signing up is easy. Just choose a subscription length, tell us what games you already have, and then tell us what sort of games you want to get. It's as simple as that. So whether you're just getting into the hobby or you have been adding to your collection for years, Gamebox will send you something we know you'll love. Yes, you. I'm talking to you, Ben. Or anybody out there, uh, specifically, go to GameboxMonthly.com right now and enter the promo code NERD10 for 10% off your initial subscription. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at GameboxMonthly.com. 
Uh, thank you so much to Gamebox Monthly for your incredible support. And thanks as well to the Chicago Podcast Co-op and Cards Against Humanity for helping make this show possible. Uh, one last thing, we nerds just launched a Patreon page to help us keep doing cool stuff like this long into the future. Uh, if you'd like to help us out, visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs and be rewarded. You get something, we get something. This is such a great relationship. Uh, with all that said, please, friends, enjoy the show. I'm going to dedicate this song to our friend Jim, who sometimes plays with us, because he's a much better guitar player than I am. And man, I'm really missing Jim today, I'll tell you what. But, uh, I'm going to give this a go anyway. Good luck, buddy. Thank you! <laughs> Alright, this is, uh, it's called Massage in a Bottle, is that right? Yeah, Massage yeah. in a Bottle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see? Alrighty, there we go. Love you, Jim. That CEO, another lonely day with no one here but me. Oh, more loneliness than any man could bear. Rescue me before I fall into despair. I'll send an SOS to the I'll send an SOS to the world I hope that someone gets my I hope that someone gets my I hope that someone gets my Message in a bottle Message in a bottle A year has passed since I wrote my note I should have known this right from the start Only hope can keep me together Love can mend your life But love can break your heart I'll send an SOS to the world I'll send an SOS to the world I hope that someone gets my I hope that someone gets my I hope that someone gets my Message in a bottle, yeah Message in a bottle, yeah Oh, message in a bottle, yeah Message in a bottle out this morning I don't believe what I saw Hundred billion bottles Washed up on the shore Seems I'm not alone In being alone Hundred billion castaways Looking for a home I'll send an SOS to the world I'll send an SOS to the world I hope that someone gets my I hope that someone gets my I hope that someone gets my Message in a bottle, yeah Message in a bottle, yeah 
Starting with, I have to look at the first name because I don't remember names because I'm a bad host. But hey, at least I didn't lose a tambourine. <laughs> Starting with, Kevin Clifford! When I was younger, my mom used to wash my hair in the sink. She'd lie a soft, fluffy white towel on the counter, and I'd lie on top of that, head up. She'd test the water with one hand. The other hand, she'd cradle the back of my neck so there wasn't too much stress on it, I guess. And I would just close my eyes, and the light would be streaming in from the window over the kitchen sink, and I'd watch patterns of indigo and dark blue form and dissolve, form and dissolve on the backs of my eyelids. And she would sing James Taylor songs to me, and it is the most pacifying memory I have from my childhood uh, that moment my mom washing my hair my dad on the other hand had a propensity for rousing me up and exciting me as a child he worked as a freelance medical illustrator which is a job I don't think even exists anymore so when he was tired or took a break from sketching his most recent gallbladder removal. Uh, not his own, but someone else's. Um, he would chase me around the house. He would, there's video evidence of him jumping up from behind my high chair as I'm working with a melange of raisins and dried, Cheerio, uh, uh, dried Cheerios and startling me. Um, and he did it all for fun. I don't want to give the impression that I was abused in any way. He, uh, he said he just liked to get a reaction out of me. And this was all well and good. Um, until he brought that type of play into the serenity of my hair wash sink ritual. He crept into the room, uh, making sure to stay below the counter. I'm sure my mom saw him and gave Shadamo a look like, what the hell are you doing? And he probably replied with like an impish grin and a one finger over his mouth. Uh, the shush, the shush symbol for those who can't see what I'm doing uh, on the podcast. Um, and then he popped up from under the counter and tickled me at the same time, which I hate being tickled. So my reaction was to lurch up, uh, but my forward progression was stopped by the underside of the sink. Uh, and I had a nice, attractive red uh, ring on my uh, forehead for a little while. Since this is a nerdy crowd, I guess. It looked probably like uh, the Red Ring of Death on like the Xbox when it <laughs> um, 
so my mom like didn't let that happen again, but nevertheless, the serenity had been shattered. Uh, from that point on, when she would wash my hair in the sink, the things that used to be so relaxing became hindrances. So the sound of the churling, bubbling water coming from the spray nozzle um, was like white noise. Like I wasn't able to hear footsteps as well. Um, he, uh, the light coming in from the window dilated my pupil, so I wasn't able to see like into the darker corners of the uh, of the kitchen. And the uh, since I was lying supine on the uh, on the counter, um, I only had like a limited you know degree of motion range of motion with my head from which I could see. So it was basically like no longer serenity. And again, I, my dad was a great father. He is a great father. I don't want to again don't want to give this impression. But um, I was talking to him years later. Actually, it was just a couple weeks ago. I made both of those things up. It's just a part, part of the story. Uh, and the point is, we had a phone call. And he was like, at one point, he was just like, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing when I was raising you. But one thing I might regret a little bit is how often, like, I scared you. And I thought, yeah, now that I think about it, you know, as an adult, I do have a... Uh, kind of some issues with generalized anxiety. Um, <laughs> I'm a little jumpy. Uh, when I eat at restaurants, I always need to have my back to a wall. Um, but I'm like, you know what, Dad? I had such a comfortable childhood. Uh, you were there to make sure it was just a little bit uncomfortable at times. And, you know, you prepared me for the real world in which uh, real life situations, life can jump out at you at any time, and you have to be on your toes. So I think if I have kids someday, I'll probably be the type of father who bathes, a, bathes them in the sink, sings them James Taylor songs, but also jumps out at them from behind their high chair from time to time to keep them on their toes because I love them. Thank you. Thank you very much, Kevin. Yeah, let's keep it going. Another newcomer to the stage, Archie Jamjoon. Yeah. Hello, sir. Welcome. I want to thank you for opening with a Madonna song, because now I can say you did a show that opened with a Madonna song. That's everything to me. Anyways. I opened the bathroom cabinet I shared with my sister, and her beauty products spoke to me. We'll make you pretty, they said. My cooling sensation works wonders, said the jar of Noxzema cold cream. I will tighten your pores, said the St. Ives cucumber face mask. And then the bottle of sun and hair lightener threw down the gauntlet. I will give you white people hair. <laughs> I was 11 years old and locking myself in the bathroom for the wrong reason. I just wanted to be pretty. My parents' friends always said that I was handsome and my sister was pretty, but as their eyes moved quickly from me to linger on her, the truth became translucent. On this highway called life, Annie, my sister, could stop traffic. I would get run over. Annie's beauty allowed her to attend Barbizon, a modeling school in downtown Chicago attended by 12 white girls, a Jewish girl with a new nose, two literal black sisters, and a half-Latina from Texas who I never saw appear without fringe. <laughs> On Saturday afternoons, they would practice essential life lessons like how to walk down a runway and take off a jacket at the same time. Not like that. 
Annie excelled, but as I sat in the room, I boiled over with envy. See, I had seen George Michael's music video for Freedom, which featured real supermodels walking down a real runway, and I had imitated them in my family's basement, and I knew that I could outwalk half those bitches. (laughs) But even at our Thai temple, my sister stole the spotlight. When they decided to put on Mano Ra, the Thai store of creation, they cast Annie, my sister, as a lead angel. I had to play a monkey. (laughs) On the ride home, my parents told my sister what a great job she'd done. They were so proud of her. And I, I, like a glum troll, sank deep into the beige leather interior of our Cadillac, scowling at the moon and stars for placing me in the shadows. My mom looked back at me. Archie, what's wrong? Oh, that's Archie, my dad started. He see the moon and the star, and he think about science, just like his dad. (laughs) (laughs) They did not know me. They just saw their young Asian son and thought I should be good at things like math and science, the academic roadmaps for ugly people. Yes. Yes. Ugly people. I would not be forced down that road. I would be pretty, and I had a plan. Lock myself in the bathroom and take my sister's noxema and spread it all over my face until it's camphor, eucalyptus, and menthol made my face feel like a cough drop. (laughs) Step two, take her St. Ives mask and carefully put it on my face so it came off in one long sheath instead of dozens of flakes. Step three, spray in the sun and hair lightener, because in the 90s, nothing made an Asian person look cooler than orange hair. (laughs) Step four, imagine Keanu Reeves. In 1991, Keanu Reeves starred in the mega hit music video, Rush Rush, by Paula Abdul. I was obsessed with this music video. I often imagined I was Paula Abdul and Keanu was my rebel because the music video was after Rebel Without a Cause. But one day, as I sat in front of the mirror, engaged in my beauty routine, a more specific vision came to mind. Keanu would pull into the driveway of my parents' house with a screech of two wheels because he had discovered his cause, me, Archie Jamjun. As I ran out to meet him, my parents would try to stop me. Oh, Archie, we were so wrong. You were so much prettier than your sister. Please stay. But it was too late. I'd jump into the sidecar of Keanu's motorcycle, and we'd speed up I-94 to a romantic and exotic land called Wisconsin. <laughs> As the wind danced loudly by my hair, I'd look up, Keanu, look up at Keanu and scream, Have you ever been in love before? Uh, no. Like, I totally have not been in love before. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? And with those words, Keanu pulled onto the shoulder. He got off of the motorcycle with one swing of his meaty hind quarter. He walked over to me and knelt down. Terrible? It isn't terrible. It just reminds us that we're all alone. But as those words fell out of his mouth, an epiphany broke out onto his face as he realized that he, we, we weren't alone anymore. I closed my eyes and puckered my lips and got ready for my first kiss. The bathroom door swung open. It was Annie. Is that my noxema? Are you using my sun in? Are you using my face mask? How many times do I have to tell you? Those are for girls. I put my hand on my hip. They don't say for girls on them. (laughs) 
They don't have to, Archie. Do you want to start using my maxi pads too? It is my bathroom, I told, I told her. I will use whatever I want. And I shoved past her. In those days, though, she was so much stronger. She grabbed me by my T-shirt and pushed me against the wall. She drew her arm back and clawed three marks onto the side of my face. Like Nancy Kerrigan after the attack on her knee, I crumbled to the ground screaming, Why? 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 Not only would these claw marks forestall my plans for beauty, I, would, I was going to have to explain these to the kids at school where rumor had it I might be gay. <laughs> and that's when I decided I'd had enough. Now, I didn't usually engage in boy activities, but I had been playing a certain video game, Street Fighter II. And I had become very adept at playing a certain character, the mistress of the Tornado Kicks motherfucking Chun-Li. Yeah. That's, yeah. So I got to my feet and started springing around to my sister's utter confusement. I drew back a leg and kicked her in the stomach with a loud, yeah! She fell back, ran to the bathroom, and threw up. I had won! Or so I thought. My sister threw the vomit off of her mouth and came at me. She lunged on top of me and started berating me. I could smell the vomit on her breath. Just as she was about to draw back her other hand and, throw, and put three more claw marks on the other side, my mother intervened and saved me. That day, I lost the battle, but I won the war. Not the war against my sister. She would beat me up for several more years. <laughs> but the next day, my mother took me to Walgreens where she bought me my own Noxzema, my own face mask, and my own bottle of sun and hair lightener. Why? Because as my mother will tell you to this day, I'm her favorite and she loves me more. <laughs> it's true. And that day I learned the price of beauty and what you have to do to fight for it. Not because it ends up being worth very much, but if you're gonna be bad at math and science, it really helps if you're pretty. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Archie Jam Jam. Oh my God, that was amazing. So, uh, first of all, Chun Li, obviously the best Street Fighter Two character. That that much is clear. Uh, second, so for reasons that I I don't necessarily want to disclose, I just listened to every number one song from 1987 to 1995. Polly Abdul had a lot of hits in that span, and dude, Polly Abdul actually legit like pretty fucking awesome. Like Rush Rush, great song. You probably haven't heard it in like 15 years or something. Go listen to it. It's really really good. I don't know why, but I, I'm, I'm into Polly Abdul now. Five weeks at number one. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? Five weeks? It's pretty good. It's a long run. All right, guys, coming up next to the stage, friend of the Nerdalogs, been on the show a handful of times, Nate Bechtel. Also, I, I always have to introduce him by saying he's the world's best Magic the Gathering player. Yeah! Hi. Hi, everybody. I always ignore that because <laughs> it's not true and I'm humble. <laughs> um, so I, I do apologize. Everybody's been given such great stories and bits tonight. I, I don't have any of that. Um, the, the thing that spoke to me about this, uh, this whole theme 
And anybody who knows me should understand why it speaks to me is because it frequently happens to me. Um, those of you who don't know me, for example, I watched The Return of the Mummy twice this weekend. That is the kind of person I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to go down that way in the future. And so just with the certain political events of this year, I have been preparing a resume for Trump's America. Because I want to be prepared for that. Now, granted, there are some benefits to writing a resume for Trump's America. First of all, honesty goes completely out the door. Uh, you can lie openly instead of here and there. It's very rewarding. Um, uh, so what I'd like to do is just start off with that, and maybe if anybody's got some notes, I would love them. Um, so uh, we'll go down it. Uh, first part, uh, name Nathaniel Bechtel. That is true. Part of the Bechtel family, as in Bechtel Engineering Corporation. Not true, but great pedigree. Yeah. <laughs> Those Bechtels run a company that privatized water in a South American country. If that sounds familiar to it, it's because Bond villains failed to do it in a movie. Uh, so we've got a rich, white, evil family. Fucking great. Am I right? All right. Now, other things that uh, we do. So we'll go down to job history. Uh, this is great. Uh, my last three jobs. Uh, first one, I was the executive chief of Premier Indulgence, an exclusive Chicago food truck think tank. Uh, two, as lead negotiator of negotiating for luxurious exotic erotica. That's an elite magazine where I document all pornography. It's been a passion project for some years. That's putting a kernel of truth in a lie to make it much better. Um, then I was chief executive king of blah, 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 Trump is handsome, blah, 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 dairy transport system. That's where we slap nacho cheese on a ping pong paddle and just slap it onto your genitals directly. Because fuck you at this point. Uh, my responsibilities for all of those positions was crushing it, bro. Now, some of you may have noticed that I seem to be applying for the Trump administration. Yes, you are correct. Because I'm going to do my best to bring it down from the inside. If gym class taught me anything, I wreck statistics like a boss. <laughs> and my own manager would tell you I have the capability to turn any normal office into a Kafkaesque hell. <laughs> I will be the person that is so sorry... That's the wrong form. I gave you BX1CD39 because I'm a bonehead. You needed DCX39-4F. And to do that, well, it's going to be another two weeks, and we got to go talk to Betsy on the fourth floor, and she is a bitch on wheels, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but we'll get back into the resume. Now that we know this is going to be a mission with a goal that is good. We can feel better about this. <laughs> All right, so education. I've seen every season of Celebrity Apprentice, and my favorite season of Survivor was Outback. All right? Special skills. Um, I'm probably very bad at blowjobs, but I have a sort of sad face, which will be really good for the executive hazing circle jerks. <laughs> 
And I have a tendency to compress emotions and pain inward, which will just allow this to cycle out into a continuing situation of manager exploitation of shame and degradation toward the lesser employees as I begin to amount my way up as the old men die and I wipe their cum off my face. So, in light, I'm going to save America from Donald Trump with my bukkakable mug. Now, does anybody have any notes? <laughs> Thank you, Nate. Statisticians, mark it down. Not only is this the first time the word bukkakable has been said on this stage, it is the first time that word has been said anywhere ever because it is new to the world. Thank you, Nate, for giving us that wonderful word. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, coming next to the stage, you saw her already. She did some wonderful backup on Katie's song, but now she's going to be up here all by her lonesome. Ms. Becca Brown! Yeah. Hey, that's a guitar. What? I have a third. Uh, hi. <laughs> okay. Um, so the boys I tend to fall the hardest for are the ones that remind me of me. Uh, the ones that remind me of me are also the ones that hurt me the most, okay? They're the ones that I instantly hate upon first meeting them. They're the ones that are a little too skinny with unruly hair and fixed gear bikes, and they may or may not have a tiny coke habit. That's, yeah, that's my type. I could have met this guy six years ago at a Weezer concert at the Aragon. I say could have because he was there with his awful girlfriend and I was there with my awful girlfriend, but we could have met that night. I almost met him again two years ago when we matched on Tinder. And I say almost because neither of us made the first move. We ran into each other at stage 773 and I said, hey, I think I know you. And he chose to ignore me. <laughs> I met him officially at a callback for a musical. I said, hey, you're that guy who ignored me at 773. And he said, well, we matched on Tinder and you didn't say shit to me. <laughs> I instantly hated him. <laughs> but we end up in this musical together and instantly become best friends because we remind each other of ourselves so much. He would always say that to me. He was like, you, we, are, we are each other. And I was just like, yeah. On my 23rd birthday, I got too drunk at Crown Liquors, and I told him we were going to fuck. <laughs> I was like, not tonight, but we will eventually. <laughs> and he was like, prove it. And he rode off into the night on his fixed gear bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, we slept together a week later during tech, and then we dated for seven months without calling it what it was, because the boys I fall for the hardest are the ones that remind me of me, and I am terrified of labels, and I am terrified of commitment. It was an easy whatever ship, because I thought I knew him so well that I could predict his moves, because his moves were the moves I would make back in my days of being a fuckboy. <laughs> All right? Uh, but I had changed over the course of this whatever ship, and he had not, because being with someone who has all the bad qualities that I have made me want to not have all those bad qualities anymore. And not all of them. I still drink a lot, but some. Okay, the problem was that throughout the course of this, I forgot to remind myself that I am me, and other people are not me. <laughs> yeah, and my friends warned me about dating guys that remind you of you, and I didn't listen because uh, I'm an idiot but I should have listened because he ghosted me in true Becca Brown fashion. He recently got a job at a restaurant that I frequent. 
And I went in the other day, and when I left, he texted me. He said, our, sh our sous chef seems to be in love with you. And I wrote back, did you tell him we banged? And he said, no. I laughed in his face and told him you'd eat him alive. So I may not have known him very well, but he, he knew me well. <laughs> uh, and that, he always reminds me of this song. And I'm going to play that song. It's by a little band called No Doubt. Thank you.
Only the second time I've been able to sit in the audience and watch someone else play a song that I knew at this show, and that's really cool. Thank you for that, Becca. Oh my god, that was wonderful. Guys, we have one more storyteller tonight. I'm not going to surprise you with who it is. This gentleman has worked long and hard in the Chicago storytelling scene, doing amazing work with shows like Old School, New School. Uh, he also runs a workshop every month. Uh, he brought many of the speakers here tonight. He is just a great dude. I'm so excited to have him here. This is Scott Whitehair. Thank you, Scott. Can we hear it for all the performers that you, you saw tonight? It was an amazing show. My dad's not the kind of guy that you would expect to see turn a cartwheel from joy. But I wanted a little bit more from him. Uh, I should have known better. He was about a st he was like a bourbon drinking statue. He was beyond stoic. Um, when he got out of high school when he was 18, he went right into the Navy. When he got out of the Navy, he went right into the steel mills in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where he planned to spend his career. And when the mills shut down unexpectedly and spit those guys out into the city, he did whatever he could, maintenance work, uh, hard manual labor, whatever he needed to do to make a living and take care of his family. It was no nonsense. But still... I wanted a little bit more of a reaction from him when I got him a gift. Because I'm the opposite of my dad. I'm like ultra emotional. Like I saw a parade in Austin two weeks ago and I shed a tear and I went, God, it's so beautiful. People just walking down the street. It's really great. <laughs> so look at everybody. That's a tuba. <laughs> um, so I would try with my dad as much as I could. And at Christmas, like the, the one Christmas, I got him a CD of mountain music uh, that I researched to find songs that we came from, uh, like where my family came from, West Virginia, uh, and even some songs were on there uh, that my grandfather used to play on guitar I'd heard. So I wrap it up and I give it to him, and I'm like, here you go. He unwraps it, and he raises his eyebrows and nods. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna try again. So uh, I got him, the next year, I found on eBay, and this was before these things were available, uh, commercially, I found all of the Steelers Super Bowl runs uh, and all the Super Bowl games, the telecasts, on DVD. I wrap it up. I give it to him. and wraps it. Eyebrows and a nod. Ah. The next year, I find a stock certificate from the mill that he worked most of his life in. And I had it framed and matted, and I'm like, here we go. I give it to him. Unwraps it. Eyebrows and a nod. When other people came over that Christmas, they're like, oh my God, Tom, that's great. He's sitting there with the whiskey. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I know he appreciated things, but he just, just, I couldn't get a reaction. Finally, I got to the point, I'm like, Dad, what would make you excited? What kind of gift would you enjoy? And he goes, socks. <laughs> Which he wore them a lot, so yeah. Um, so I kept trying, and I kept trying. Um, now, in 2009, I had lived in Chicago for a few years. My family, my mom and my dad, were coming to visit. And this was exciting for a few reasons. One, uh, they don't really like to go anywhere because they don't like to ever have their car parked further than, like, a block away where they can, like, see and touch it. It's not even a nice car. They just need to know where it's at. <laughs> And so they were coming to Chicago. And the, the second thing was I, I thought this is a great chance to show them why I love this city because they never fully understood why I moved. Like, what did we not have in Lower Borough, Pennsylvania that somebody would need? I mean, we didn't have a Red Lobster and people were in town were upset about that. <laughs> but you could drive 20 minutes to Monroeville and go get endless shrimp if you wanted. <laughs> and third, I thought, here's a chance to um, show my, my dad 
you know, maybe it wasn't a gift. Maybe it was an experience. Maybe I need to try it out and get a reaction out of an experience. So I thought I can wrap all these th- those two things together, the experience, uh, my experience in Chicago, and, and give him an experience and maybe get a reaction. So I start looking right away. And, uh, you know, friends give me suggestions. One's like, oh, King Spa, the Korean spa, Niles. And I just had this vision of my dad sitting in, like, shorts and a T-shirt, eating kimchi in a gold pyramid sauna room. And I'm like, oh, no. No. That'll get me murdered. Uh, and then I, and someone's like, oh, t- uh, tapas. Tapas, that's an experience. He's never. And I, I thought, you do not bring... Pittsburgh steel mill worker, a $9 plate of olives. It's just not going to go over. So I'm looking. I can't find anything. And finally, one day, I open up the Chicago Reader, and there it is. The Music Box Theater is having the sing-along sound of music. Yes. And right when I saw it, I thought, oh, I remember. My dad loved to punish us any number of ways. But his favorite thing to threaten was, if you guys don't settle down, quit, quit messing around. I'd sit you down and make you watch The Sound of Music with me. <laughs> I had never seen it. I would never seen him watch it. But this was like a constant threat. And when I saw this, I didn't have any other ideas. And I thought, maybe he really likes it. So I call up my mom, because I'm not really sure. And my mom, uh, the conversation started, every conversation starts with my mom this way. She, she talks for 15 minutes about what she bought at Costco and how things are going at Curves. Um, and, and then finally we can get to, to the thing. And I'm like, Mom, this... Does Dad, does he really like The Sound of Music? And my mom, who's been with him for like 40 years, goes, I don't know. (laughs) And I'm like, Mom, I really, this is really important. Does Dad like the movie The Sound of Music? Can you remember anything? She goes, hmm, not sure. These muffins at Costco, they were only like $14. I'm like, okay, all right. So I have no ideas, and I'm like, I'm going to try this, because he mentioned so many times it's an experience. It'll be different for him, for sure. And so they come to town, and the, the afternoon they're there at first is, is great. We're having a good time just catching up. Except every five minutes, they like go over and pull open the blinds to make sure their car is still on the street. <laughs> but we get through the day, and that night, we have dinner, and, and I'm like, I have something special planned. And we get in a cab, and we drive over to the music box. And you guys know the music box? Yeah. It's a great restored theater in Chicago. We pull up. It's marquee's beautiful. Get out of the cab, and I just I do this. <laughs> My dad looks at Sound of Music sing-along. He raises his eyebrows and nods. And I think, oh, fuck. I have really met... I'm like, what have I done? This was stupid. I'm like, that's what he threatened to torture us with. Now I'm going to do that to him. And I'm like, oh, and I can't even look at him. We're like on a... I'm like, well, let's go in. So I'm like keeping him on my periphery. I don't want to look at him. We fight our way. The lobby is really crowded because everyone's excited. I pay for the tickets he tries. I'm like, no, no, I got this. Um, and I'm just keeping it. I can't look at him because I'm like, I don't want to see his face right now. This is going to be horrible. So we go into the theater. It's cra- There's a costume contest. So people are, are wearing costumes. And we, we sit down on an aisle. My dad has a bad knee. And I, I, I still can't look at him. So I talk to my mom. And my mom, uh, all she can say is, there are a lot of nuns here. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, Mom, the, the movie. And she's like, there are a lot of nuns. I'm like, okay. So 
the lights go down, the, the, the movie starts, there's Julie Andrews, the hills are alive, the sound of music, and I still can't look, and the ball's starting to bounce, and I'm like, all right. At this point, I'm glad I brought a flask of whiskey with me so I can, like, mentally escape. Um, so I, I'm patting my pocket, and, and finally I think, I've got to look over. I just got to take my medicine and see what I've done to this poor man. When I look over, tears are streaming down my dad's cheeks. For the next three hours, this stoic man, this Pittsburgh steel mill worker, sang every word to every song in The Sound of Music. He's just sitting there, he's like, So, a tear, a female tear. Every song. And I saw this and I got excited. I pulled out the whiskey. Now it was celebratory whiskey. And we're like, we're, we're like Edelweissing it up back and forth. We're like, eh, you know, and throwing stuff. They had props and everything. And it, it, was, it was great. Uh, and when the family on screen uh, was making their escape, we had to escape the music box. So we said so long, farewell, adieu. Uh, we listened to the music box and got into a cab. Now, when we got to my apartment, my mom was worn out from her nun spotting, and she's like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> so it was just my dad and I, and I went to the fridge, and I got beers. I got him a Coors Light that he brought along from Pittsburgh. <laughs> and I got myself a microbrew that was, like, made with coriander and orange peels. <laughs> hey, look, here we go. So we sit on the couch, and uh, Jay Leno's on, and it's not my choice, but and the volume's down. We're just kind of staring at the TV, and we're sitting there for a while. We drink our beers, and, and finally, like, all right, so I go to get up. I'm like, good night, Dad. I start to walk away, and he says, when I was in the Navy and stationed in San Diego, so furthest away I'd ever been from home, I didn't know anybody. He said, but any time I could get off base, I went down the street to this little movie theater and watched The Sound of Music. I must have seen it a couple dozen times. And it always just made me, made me feel better. I didn't know what to say to that, so I kind of stood there for a second. I started then back to my bedroom, but in the doorway I stopped and I said, So, Dad, was, was that okay? And he raised his eyebrows and nodded. <laughs> but it was more than enough. song uh where you definitely have to sing along on this and all i'll set it up by saying is that the the misheard lyric apparently is it doesn't make a difference if we're naked or not that's not the actual lyric you'll hear the actual lyric shortly what could it be <laughs> what could it be <laughs> Pay for love, for love. She's saving 
difference if we make it or not We got each other and that's a lot proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy your stories, you might also like Team GFB Radio. Dave Lang and Daryl Wisner share tales from the front lines of game development and talk current events in the games industry. You can learn more at TeamGFBRadio.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit Patreon.com slash to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome! Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.